Welcome to the Ugly Truth. Step one, train the people only to consume. Step two, infiltrate adults with the news. Step three, indoctrinate the children through the schools and the music and the apps on the phones that they use. Step four, separate the right from the left. Step five, separate the white from the black. Step six, separate the rich from the poor. Use religion and equality to separate them more. Step seven, fabricate a problem made a lie. Step eight, put it on the news every night. Step nine, when people start to fight and divide, take control. This is called situation. Design. They can't stop us, cause we're ready to fight, trying to brainwash us, but we won't let freedom die, the whole world's brainwashed. Everybody pick a team, start a riot in the streets, the whole world's brainwashed. It's us against them, it ain't you against me. We're with you, Tom. We will not back down. This is the ugly truth. Hard to listen to, but impossible to ignore. And I love that ending, and I love that song. It's a great song, actually. <laughs> Brainwashed? Yeah. Brainwashed. Brainwashed is what we were talking about in just about all of this Truman's Matrix and this ugly truth mm-hmm. and this vaccine war headlines. And just about everything is you're being brainwashed. Even in our last segment, people are being brainwashed into thinking that it's Something is true that isn't. So anyway, right. so right. Brainwashed is a song there by Tom McDonald. Tom McDonald is an independent artist who gives us explicit permission to use his songs in anything and everything that we do. And we just want to tell you to go to his website if you want to hear that music some more or get to his albums. He's got new ones out all the time. It's a different flavor of music, but if you like it, you'll love it. And if you don't, well then... It's an opinion, and you can have your own. But that's hangovergang.com. Hangovergang.com. And uh, it's quite a story. And if you want to learn more, just listen to more of our podcasts, and you'll hear us talk about Tom McDonald, the independent artist, mm-hmm. who stands for freedom yep. and truth. Yep. So speaking of truth, truth is where you reveal secrets. Right? Yes. And, okay, so what you got here in this title? So, it says the ugly truth, but we've got a pretty girl with a crown on her head. Yeah, That kind of feels like an oxymoron, doesn't it? It does, kind of. But we did do an ugly truth of beauty a few weeks ago. True, true. This is actually the secrets of Miss America. Mm. So, um, remember in 2022 when um, Chelsea Christ, or Chesley Christ committed suicide right. she was the US, Miss USA title holder yes yeah we talked and about um, our dear friend Teresa Scanlon did a great response to that mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah we had that on a podcast and you can find that well I found another post from Teresa okay. about an A&E series mm-hmm. called thank- The Secrets of Miss America and thank you Teresa thank you for what you stand for and thank you for just what you stood for when you were the youngest Miss America in history. Right. And, and what you had to go through. So just thank you very much. And we just appreciate you allowing us to share what you've written. Right. She has had several struggles and victories over the years. And yet her perseverance and determination have shown through. Mm-hmm. She's open, honest, authentic, and eloquent mm-hmm. as she shares her life and her faith. So when... Chesley Chris passed away. We wrote from one miss to another, and that was basically her response, Teresa's response to that scenario. 
um, she has consistently become an advocate for mental health. Mm-hmm. And even during her reign as Miss America, she was bold enough to bring up the topic, although the board shut her down at the time. Mm-hmm. The yep. board of, of Amer- Miss America. Right. Wow. A&E has a new series interviewing former title holders, including Teresa. It's called Secrets of Miss America, which delves into the long-kept secrets of America's oldest beauty pageant, exposing shocking scandals. Uh-oh. In the episode Under Pressure, 12 formal former title holders specifically discuss the fast-paced life of the current title holder and the many restrictions and control the organization holds over their heads. They were allowed little to no contact with family, up to three appearances every day, and scripted approving approved talking points. The promise of platform for what each title holder feels led to support takes a back seat Hmm. to the sponsors. This results in a loss of identity as well as the loneliness they feel from the disconnection of family and friends. Hold on, are you serious that this is true? Yes. That their platform is not what they go talk about for that year? They don't get to talk about it most of the time. Oh my gosh. It's all about what the sponsors want. So their their promise of creating uh, an advocacy type of scenario or an image for yourself or nope. anything none of that it's none not of about that you not about you wow right i'm sorry Teresa. so i um went ahead and cool picture i went ahead and and took this video uh the full video and i cropped it a little bit and so we've got a video we can watch here okay so according to the fair use act we're going to go ahead and take a look at this analyze it break it down mm-hmm. and use it under that copyright act fair use winning miss nebraska it was i think the first surprise in what was possible and what could be ladies and gentlemen your miss america 2011 is miss nebraska Teresa scandler When I won Miss America 2011, I was 17 years old, so I was the youngest winner since 1937. I was really nervous because she was so young. And as mature as she is, can she handle this and all that's going to come with it? Thank you all so, so much for this. I felt that I was prepared in every aspect and I was ready for what I was going to face. The caveat being, I had no clue what all that was going to entail. I really wanted to accomplish a lot with this incredible opportunity I was given. It was just go into all of these interviews. They would try to remind me to talk about the sponsors, to remember the certain talking points or things I was supposed to say. In the world, what's going on back? There is no way that you can know what your year will be like. There were rules of things I wasn't allowed to talk about. My job is Miss America. There were do's and don'ts of being Miss America, and they were actually handed to me in a neat little document on that first day. She will not be on her phone during events. She will answer her phone within 15 minutes. If someone from Miss America calls her, she will 
not leave her room without the tour manager knowing, does not leave the room without an approved wardrobe, does not post without it being approved. Never speak ill about the organization. It's a year-long job. It's a, it's a very difficult job. It's strenuous. It's tiring. And you have to be willing to take on that challenge. Whether it was media interviews, appearances, all of it was very carefully supervised um, by the organization. I'm sitting here with Miss America herself, Savvy Shield. <laughs> I would be in interviews, and there's one interviewer, she asked me a political question, I don't remember what it was, but whoever was with me from the organization at the time completely stopped the interview and said start over, like, from the beginning. Like, we're not talking about anything political. And I'm like, I'm, I'm ready for this. Like, this is what I prepared for. I remember being asked specifically, did I think that a lesbian woman could be Miss America? And I remember emphatically answering, how do you know one has not been? And I remember getting a lot of heat for that answer. They say that they want someone who stands on the courage of their convictions, that knows who they are and what they want to do and who they want to be and that sort of thing. But then you're almost kind of sometimes robotically fed talking points. And so it almost goes against everything that they said they were looking for. Thank you. Very, very proud of you. So tell me what your regime is. You really don't have a voice and you really don't have a say as long as you're underneath the blanket of the organization. Doing that for a year gets very, very tiring and you feel like you lose your identity. Well, I was kind of the same way because I could only see... I tried to be the best that I could be, tried to be who I thought I needed to be to fulfill this role. They expect absolute perfection in every way. The expectations and pressure are through the roof. One night when I went back to my hotel room and started seeing some YouTube videos from the pageant, then I scrolled down and started seeing some of the comments. Miss Arkansas should have won. Miss Nebraska is way too short, way too smiley, and not elegant at all. Another says, another Barbie doll. What a waste. The comments about intelligence, I think, always hit the hardest. She needs to shut up and just look pretty, stop talking. Why do we even care what her opinion is? And I was just devastated. Um, it felt like a punch in the gut right as I was coming off of this high. I began to question myself every time I spoke, becoming very self-conscious, rehearsing over and over again for fear that people would once again think that I was stupid and unintelligent. speak to Teresa very much during her year as Miss America. The photos that were on social media that we were seeing like seemed like it was a great time, like she was having the time of her life. The schedule was grueling. I remember having sometimes three to five appearances in one day. And a different city every 18 to 36 hours, literally. You know, it seems glamorous and yet it was very lonely many times. I felt very alone. It's very isolating. It's just you and your tour manager all year. It is one of the loneliest years that you have. 
because you go back to your room and you're by yourself. I wasn't allowed to be seen with my boyfriend. He wasn't allowed to be in my hotel room, be anywhere near my hotel room. I think my mom was very surprised. I think she expected there to be far more communication from the organization. There was little to no time to connect with friends and family. I did not see the people that I was closest to for a very long time. I spoke to my parents about once a month. Often they didn't know where I was or what I was doing. I don't remember there being any concern about my age and what I was experiencing. I believe that they recognize that if the parents knew everything about what is happening with their often young daughter during the year, that they would be up in arms about some of the ways that she was treated or being exploited. They wanted to steer parents away from making too much trouble and taking away some of their control over the Miss America. America needs to rise, and that's exactly what I'm trying to give. I was trying so hard, desperately in fact, to be everything for everyone. I did not have much contact with my friends and family throughout the year. I was not sleeping. I did feel alone on the road. I think the organization did not want, I don't want to say that they wanted me to feel isolated because I don't think that that's true. I think I would be exaggerating if I said that. But I do think that they wanted Miss America to need them, not the other way around. Around eight months into my year, I was told that I was meeting with the board of directors. This was my one and only chance to address all of my concerns. And one was that the organization as a whole does not do a great job of listening to its title holders. There had been times all the way back to when I competed in Miss America that maybe the contestants competing did not have a positive experience and wanted to let the organization know that. How can we improve that? How can we change that? It was not received well. Sam Haskell was the chairman of the board at the time, and I think he was the, the driver for the reaction being the way that it was. He was visibly defensive and basically told me in front of everyone that I had not recognized the contributions that all of the board members were making to the organization. And then outside, once the meeting was over, came out and told me that he was very disappointed and hurt and that I needed to issue a written apology to all of the board members and basically say everything was okay. When it comes down to it, I was very regulated. And I think that is something where, you know, I'm five years in and I'm still, I still get weird talking about it, honestly. I still feel like I'm gonna get in trouble. It was made clear to me early on from For Miss Americas, if you're a well-behaved Miss America or if you bring them trouble, that 
Sam can make your life harder or better during your year. About a few weeks in, uh, he goes, well, you know, I, I have some of my Miss Americas that work as spies for me. I believe these people were kind of in place to uh, let him know what people were saying about Miss America, how she was actually doing. But I can look back on those times now and say, I did not know who to trust. The feeling of isolation and the feeling of they don't care about me wasn't one particular moment. It was more of just kind of this dark gray cloud that just kept getting bigger. Well, here we go. During my year, I felt like 80% of my job was beholden to sponsorships, sponsorship relationships, and sponsorship obligations. You are told to tie your opinions to those relationships to keep that money flowing. One of the lowest points where I almost felt a slave to sponsorship was during the time that my then boyfriend, now husband's mother was passing. So it was toward the end of my year when I heard the news that one of my best friends had passed away. It was really the first time that someone very close to me had passed as well. I was told that I could not go home because I had an appearance with a sponsor. So the decision came down from the top leadership in Miss America that I could not go to the funeral and needed to stay and do the event. I was almost in disbelief, but I was too scared, you know, to advocate for myself in that moment because DSW appearances were high, high priority. I was told that this was the type of moment that defined Miss America being strong and doing her job and doing her appearance, even when she's having a hard time personally. It was one of the worst moments that I think we've ever walked through as a couple. I couldn't be his person in that moment because I had to sign autographs at a shoe store. I feel a lot of guilt about not being there for his family at a time when that was really important to them. I just, to this day, regret not hopping on a plane and doing whatever I needed to do to be there. And that was heartbreaking. the crown was on her head and I stepped off stage, all of that is now occurring for the next woman. And all of those things that I experienced, the whirlwind and the moving on and everything hitting you at once is happening to this next unsuspecting woman. And so just as quickly as you're thrown into it, that's how quickly you're thrown out of it and everything just changes. There was sort of this frantic energy to keep up the momentum. Because when there's these open doors, I was so afraid of missing opportunity. Within a couple months after giving up my title, I was feeling mounting pressure and mounting overwhelm. 
I began to notice that certain things were not anymore providing the contentment or joy or enthusiasm that they used to. Instead, I was doing things from a place of fear and self-consciousness and worry about what people thought about me solely. And I just didn't want to do it anymore. And I noticed one time when I was with my family during a holiday that everybody was so happy and having a great time. And I was watching everybody and it felt like a sort of out of body experience where I was just viewing this whole scene. And I was glad that everybody was happy and so I felt sort of peaceful and content about that, but also just wanted to disappear myself because I didn't feel that I was actually in the experience. I felt very detached. She was just being a little more reserved, a little more um, just seeming like not herself, not like as engaging um, with the family, with sisters um, as much as before. And just to see that like spark go out um, is really hard. A day that was most severe for me when I hiked to the top of the Scottsbluff National Monument and just felt so overwhelmed with life and so crushed, so hopeless that looking out from the top, I just did not want to exist anymore. It was too much to handle and I figured that it would be better and somehow a better option uh, to just not be here anymore. I just don't know how many people can understand the pressure. The pressure that you just want to escape from. And if you can't escape, and if you don't see a way out, then that feels like the only option. And it shouldn't be, it shouldn't ever be, because why is it so terrible to disappoint everyone? <laughs> like that's the worst thing in the world, just to disappoint people. And it, what's crazy is that we all put ourselves in this position where we would rather die than disappoint people because it seems less painful because that's how we'll get rest and that's how we'll get peace. Hearing how she had gone so far as to, you know, not want to be living anymore um, was really hard to hear. And then it just makes you scared. And, you know, if if that could ever happen again and you just want to protect her and guard her. And, you know, that was very hard to hear as a sister, as a family member. At the time, I thought perhaps that it was chronic that I was always going to feel this way, that there was no end in sight. Yet later realized it was actually a, a relatively short-term experience for me. It's different for everybody, but for me it was relatively short-term because I began to realize I had basically in so many different facets of life 
set myself up for struggling the most. And so I talked to my parents about it and reached out for help, started, you know, actually talking to and seeing professionals who could help me. And that was when I began speaking more openly about what I had experienced and the struggles that were a part of it. When Teresa shared her story, I remember reading it going, yep, yep, I remember feeling that. You know, just to know that that type of story is not uncommon among all of us who have held the title of Miss America. It was very valuable to hear such authentic and candid words about the experience of being Miss America from a former herself. I don't think I fully appreciated. It was such a universal experience with so many people that it was shocking that we hadn't talked more about it. The really difficult part was coming back home from being Miss America. Then I didn't feel that there was much support. It was kind of like, you crown the new girl, you're out, you're done. Thanks for your service, bye. I didn't feel like there was any transition. I was so exhausted, I was so burnt out, I was so tired, but I also think that I was falling into a depression that I didn't know that I was going through. The day in, day out rigor of having to be everyone's ideal takes a very big mental and emotional toll. And it built up habits that I would have to break down years later. I was just very impressed that Teresa was willing to put herself in the position of scrutiny. At that time, that was really the beginnings of the mental health conversation. I know that I resonated with many of the feelings that she expressed, others did as well. And I think it all gave us a lot of motivation to take care of one another better and to use the struggle that we had been through to help other girls who were going to be competing. I do think that the leadership at that time had a responsibility, not just because of my age, but for any young woman. The years, I think it... The organization was always just barely afloat, always so worried about its own internal issues that I just don't think they were thinking about Miss America herself. In this email thread, the Miss Americas themselves are discussing the potential for creating some sort of transition team, essentially, for the outgoing Miss America so that she feels supported in her transition, like dealing with the psychological aspect of it all, etc. The reason that this conversation thread started in the first place was that Teresa Scanlon had brought it up. It was forwarded to the CEO and chairman of the board, Sam Haskell. To my knowledge, there was no formal acknowledgement of uh, any of our concerns regarding the mental health of the women who participate. It's ridiculous that it's even a conversation to have to talk about having more support and help in place for Miss America. 
I mean, how did they change their protocols after you went public? How much welfare support did they introduce for young women after you spoke of? Yeah, not anything that I know of. There is nothing that I've ever heard of of the organizations um, supporting or doing or helping in that time period. I think when I heard about Chesley, it just took me straight back to 10 years ago. And I just thought that could have been me. It absolutely rocked the entire pageant world, the Miss America world as much as Miss USA. The social media outpour from other women who had gone through the Miss America or Miss USA or Miss Universe systems, the amount of women who said me too was alarming. It opened everyone's eyes that there need to be more resources for women who are taking on these national title positions. It's not worth it if it's going to be at the price of ourselves and our sisters. I think this is probably the group that, again... Teresa was 10 years prior to my winning Miss America. She was very open about her struggles. This is not something new. And so maybe those types of stories could have been an impetus to make some changes or provide resources, but obviously that hasn't happened. I mean, does it take a Miss America taking her life for an organization to directly address it? I hope it doesn't. I want them to understand how important that is. I'd love to see us, you know, have some real support structures in place, not just for the people who've won the title, but for the candidates in the program as well. But it's an ongoing conversation for us on what could we be doing better because it's an important issue and I'd love to see some kind of national policies in place. We really don't have anything. <laughs> believe in progress and if you see that you've been doing something that's been hurting people that you should change I don't see change as a bad thing I see change as necessary for being able to preserve the organization decades ago I think Miss America was viewed as a symbol of America right and especially American femininity right boys hold your breath the girls are fighting it out with smiles and curves it was a very narrow view of what one should hope for, I think, as a woman in America. Militant feminists say the contest is absurd and demeaning. It seems like they still have not learned the error of their ways, but I still credit Miss America for giving me the life that I have now. There would just have been no way to gain that level of understanding of the world and people and having all of this breadth of experience doing anything else. It is my most prized possession. There were difficult conversations among the former Miss Americas and many different opinions. I think that some saw it as a slippery slope toward losing the organization, its tradition, its values. They don't want her to be a queen. And why is that bad? Well, because it's not feminist and it's not progressive. Tradition can be something to take pride in. 
But tradition can also be the thing that kills an organization. I think the Miss America organization from the top has to hold itself accountable, not only at the national level, but has to hold the state organizations accountable. Good afternoon, everyone. Thank you so much for being here and supporting all these amazing candidates. I think we've failed as an organization to evolve at the times. If Miss America isn't willing to continually reevaluate and evolve when needed, it's not going to survive. I would tell the story of Miss America, go to every single state and share why we're relevant. I hope that they are able to recognize that young women can advocate for themselves and that we're not going to sit down and be taken advantage of. The organization, in my opinion, should be fostering, supporting, helping the future leaders of America, and they should be women. Can this not be an actual foundation? Can we not set a different set of criteria based on academics, mission statements? You know, can it not be any shape, size, color, whatever of a woman to enter this? Let's create something better for women. Miss Colorado! It should not be about holding women to one standard of beauty, perfection, or success. It can be so much more than that. And if it can't, then I don't see the need for it anymore. So I'm just going to end this segment with a quote from Teresa talking about this series that she's involved in. Few professionals are immune from facing these pressures. This experience is not unique to Miss America, But winning Miss America at 17 years old was my first introduction to such an experience, and it helped me learn very quickly what to avoid in my professional life ahead. But others don't always have the same one-year-in-the-fire intense gauntlet that I experienced. So I only hope that in some small way, what I share may help, support, or encourage others in their journey. And I also hope that As we continue the conversation around Miss America specifically, we can implement meaningful change for everyone involved. When Chesley Crist, former USA 2019 and also an attorney, died by suicide last year, her last post on Instagram the very morning of her death was captioned, May this day bring you rest and peace. That led me to reflect deeply on our shared experiences and pain. I hope this continues to spur deeper understanding, purposeful thought, and earnest conversation in every profession at all levels as we move forward. Teresa Scanlon. It was a pleasure and is a pleasure to know their family and and to have taught her in in, uh, Awana, right? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Great family, such a blessing, and we did not know that she went through such turmoil. But what a brave hero again. Yes. Speaking up. Yep. All right. Is that going to do it for our ugly truth? That does it for our ugly truth for tonight. Well, thank you to Teresa Scanlon and for speaking up and to never giving up the cause Mm -hmm. for mental health awareness. And thank you for listening to The Ugly Truth because they can't stop us. Cause we're ready to fight, trying to brainwash us, but we won't let freedom die, the whole world's brainwashed. Everybody pick a team, start a riot in the streets, the whole world's brainwashed. Us against them, it ain't you against me. The 
ugly truth, hard to listen to, but impossible to ignore.